Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on all things social media. Well, that is Twitter uh, at Nick Hamilton 213 on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Hamilton LA. Hope everybody had a great weekend and a great start to the brand new week. Lots to talk about once again on this episode. We'll get into the NBA All-Star game and quote unquote All-Star weekend on and off the court. Uh, with our special guest reporter Terrell Thomas from These Urban Times. We'll also get into Dak Prescott. Yeah, I'm going to have to call him up now because uh, I just found me a new relative. (laughs) Also, we'll get into uh, Women's History Month as two women coaches made history in the SEC. All that and more coming up here on TMA with Nick Hamilton. Now, Dak Prescott, we all know a lot of people have – talked about Dak is he worth big time money is he not we all know he suffered a very horrific injury last season uh when it came to his ankle if you I know I'm sure many of you probably by now I've seen the video uh of him you know breaking his ankle uh which was really really tragic uh and we all know what Dak had gone through over the course of the pandemic um and dealing with those issues and then having to deal with that in the midst of a season uh Dallas Cowboy fans I know were crushed but just as a human being to see another you know human go down like that man it's not the way you want somebody to end their season uh but then we saw promising signs Dak was very optimistic as far as his return uh he was working hard I know he continues to work hard daily and as they say hard work but smart work pays off and so it paid off in a big way for Dak Prescott, uh, a lot of times, I know there was a lot of controversy. Is he worth the money that Carson Wentz and Jared Goff received from their respective teams at the time? And the answer is yes, much more so, because the Dallas Cowboys gave Dak Prescott a four-year, $160 million deal, including $126 million guaranteed. That's right, $126 guaranteed. Oh, and there's more. Dak Prescott... <laughs> Also got a no trade clause and a no tag provision. Basically, the same type of deal that Deshaun Watson got as far as no trades and things of that nature. The first three years, though, he's going to average $42 million per year. As if he's not worth it. Now, some of y'all may not be big fans of Dak Prescott, and I get it. But the man is absolutely worth that much when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, as we saw the rest of the season. We all thought Ezekiel Elliott was the guy, and he turned up shooting blanks. Then we thought, oh, well, there's going to be a drop-off, but at least the defense could do something. And so much for that. And yes, they play in the NFC least, which is not very competitive at all. 
It's a bunch of trash going somewhere to happen. But at least Dak Prescott got his money. A $66 million signing bonus and $75 million in one year, which is the most in NFL history. So Dak Prescott definitely got paid. And he wasn't going to accept another franchise tag. So you can kill all that noise right now. And I don't blame him. But when I look at the highest signing bonuses in NFL history, Dak Prescott absolutely is number one. Guess who number two is? Russell Wilson, $65 million, who's also having some issues with the Seattle Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers at 57.5, Matthew Stafford at 50 million, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan at 46.5, Joe Flacco, y'all remember him? Once upon a time, yeah, $40 million. And then there's Aaron Donald, the only one not named, not playing quarterback that got a $40 million signing bonus. And to me, he was underpaid with that anyway. But Dak Prescott, congratulations to Dak Prescott, man. He earned that money. He is the Cowboys are nothing without him. They that's been proven. But the real MVP, shout out to Todd France, who got the deal done and got Dak every dollar he deserved and could get for his client. That's the real MVP. It goes to show you having a great agent goes a long way. So shout out to Todd France for hooking up the deal. Now, let's see what happens to Deshaun Watson. Now that Dak's been taken care of properly and all eyes are no longer on Dak, let's see what happens with Russell Wilson, which like I told you guys last week, I don't think a whole lot's going to happen. And let's see what happens with Deshaun Watson. Will he play in Houston week one? I don't think so. I don't think Dak Prescott, I think, excuse me, I think Deshaun Watson is out of there. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Lose him and let him go. Because that dude is not filling Houston, at least the Texans. Let me not say the city of Houston, because he has a lot of love for the city of Houston and continues to do great work with the people in Houston. But as the organization known as the Texans, he's up out of there. And I can't blame him. But congratulations once again to Dak Prescott, who got his money, I mean, they did not want to pay him his money. Let's be clear about that. I don't think Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones rushed to the occasion to hurry up and pay him $160 million for four years and give him a $66 million signing bonus. I don't. I didn't see them breaking their necks and, and, and getting their pens out ready to sign that check over. No, it took a lot of willing and dealing when it came to dealing with the Jones family. So props to him. Speaking of props, The NBA decided to have an all-star game, which I have said personally, I was not in favor of. I didn't think they needed an all-star game. They told the players once upon a time there was going to be an all-star break where the guys can relax, regroup, go see their families, get some rest uh, because of the shortened shortened off-season. But lo and behold, money talks and BS walks. So they decided to have an all-star weekend, but not so much a weekend, an all-star day, because they were going to have the three-point shootout, the skills competition, and the dunk contest, which I don't know why in God's name they would have a dunk contest in this day and age, because half the people, you don't even know who the hell they are. Uh, And then, actually, the all-star game. Now, I like the format of the all-star game. I like the quarter-by-quarter. 
I don't like this team, LeBron, Team KD. I, I'm I'm a dude that likes East and West. Either you're on the Eastern Conference or you're in the Western Conference. That's how they align when you're voting for, for the players in various conferences. They don't say, oh, well, should this player be here? No, they say East and West. I think the NBA needs to go back to that. That's just my personal opinion. But Team LeBron and LeBron James is 4-0 when it comes to being a team captain ever since the new format switched over. And, yeah, there were some bright spots. I mean, Steph Curry was like, was lighting it up. Uh, Dame Dollar was lighting it up as usual. I mean, to have those two guys on the same team at the same time is just a damn cheat code. But Giannis, who, we, who was the Kobe Bryant MVP All-Star Award winner, and deservingly so, the man was perfect from the field, even though there were times he was cherry-picking. He was about two feet away from the basket. But he did, He put on. he put on a show. Um, the thing that got me, like I said, congratulations to Steph Curry. He won a three-point shootout. Was there really any doubt that Steph Curry was not going to win a three-point shootout unless his his legs were broke? And even then, I think somebody would carry him to each to each stand where the balls were. As long as his arms work, he can shoot. That dude is the greatest shooter I've ever seen in my lifetime. Period. No arguments. Congratulations to Sabonis, who won the skills competition. The man deserved to be an all-star. He should have been an all-star last year in my estimation, but I'm glad he was he was allowed to, to play in the game and be a part of the all-star festivities because he definitely earned it. Uh, he's a definitely thriving big man, and he's going to be in a lot more all-star games in his career before it's all said and done if he continues to elevate, which I think he will. The NBA decided to say, you know what? We're going to entice all of you players to come down and play in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, why the hell they will pick the state of Georgia that's been open and the city of Atlanta that don't honestly don't give a damn about wearing masks? I don't know. It would have been better for the NBA and it would have looked better for the NBA if they would have picked a place like California, Los Angeles, where no fans were going to be there. Most of the people here pretty much wear masks. Now, some of you some of you idiots don't wear masks, but a lot of people do wear masks because they want to be safe. And they don't want to they don't want to catch anything and they don't want to give off anything. That would have made more sense. But no. Then they said, you know what? We're going to give money to an HBCUs. 101 HBCUs across the country. And we're going to and Team LeBron is going to represent the Thurgood Marshall Fund. And Team KD is going to represent the United Negro College Fund. Okay. That's all fine and good. And I applaud the NBA for wanting to do something and instill change in society and not go with the status quo. So I applaud Commissioner Silver as well as the NBA for at least taking an opportunity to do some good and to actually raise awareness for HBCUs. But the interesting part about that is the Third Good Marshall Foundation who was represented by Team LeBron, who won the game, actually uh, contributed, it was about $1.25 million. Uh, United Negro College Fund, which was Team KD, uh, took home about $500,000. But the real, the real person and the real MVP for this was none other than Chris Paul. Chris Paul has been an advocate for HBCUs. He's been wearing it on his shoes. He's been donating money and resources to various 
uh, HBCUs. Recently, LeBron James decided he was going to take on FAMU uh, and supply them for the next six years uh, and sponsor them, them and Nike. Uh, we're going to sponsor FAMU with, with shoes, uh, articles of clothing and things of that nature, which I thought was a really great, a great gesture. Um, and it could spark something for HBCU athletics. Uh, we know what the great work that Deion Sanders continues to do with Jackson State. And I, I still have an utmost respect for what Deion decided to do to coach these young men, to bring some awareness to HBCUs and, and, and definitely Jackson State University uh, and just bring a, a quality, a way of coaching and a way of leadership to these young men and really showcase the world that HBCUs do matter and the athletic departments do matter. Um, does that mean that you should start flooding your kids to an HBCU? No, when it comes to athletics. Now, if your kid is a D1 recruit, what is the, what's this? There, I still see no real balance to sending him or her to an HBCU if they're a D1 athlete. The reason why that is because who, look at the level of competition. The facilities, as I continue to say time and time again, unless you're going to have somebody invest $125 to $150 million into the facility, the workout facility, then you can start to compete. Then you have to look at, okay, what about the stadium? What about the the the, the arena? What about the, 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 the uniforms and the equipment? When you start to be able to compete with D1 Athletics, then yes, I would say by by far, but they have a long way to go, and there's still not enough people contributing that have the money to contribute to the HBCUs in the athletic department. Academics is fine, and I'm all for the academic aspect of it, but if you're going to, if you want kids who are D1 recruits to seriously check out an HBCU, then you got to bring the facilities up to par. Because a lot of these kids are looking at two, three things. One, facilities. Two, am I going to be seen every week? And three, can you get me to the NFL? Or can you get me to the NBA? Those are three things that kids are looking at right now. And how can I boost up my social media presence? So you want to do 3A? Fine. Or 4? Fine. But it's not going to change anytime soon until people start getting serious enough to pull, either pull their money together or have somebody come together and say, I'm going to donate $100 million to the athletic department of XYZ of HBCU. Outside of that, it's, it's going to continue just to be a little bit of charity here, a little bit of charity there. And it's not going to flourish the way that it should because people aren't giving back the way they do. You know why D, some of these D1 schools like USC, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, all these other schools get money? Because donate people donate that, that went to the school, donate their monies and invest back into the, into the schools, into the athletic departments or various academic departments. That's why they flourish. You don't have anybody that's willing to put that kind of money on the line. Not as of yet. When they start doing that, then you're going to see change. You're going to see real change. Not just some, oh, it's just nice and cute for a Hallmark movie of the week type of story. No. This is something that needs to continue to move on. But you've got to have people that are willing to commit that type of money long term. 
Because if not, HBCUs, as far as the athletics are concerned, are going to be an afterthought. They're going to be a complete afterthought. And after this weekend, this All-Star weekend, let's see how, how much awareness does the NBA bring to HBCUs after this. Not named Chris Paul. Not named LeBron James. Let's see. I'll, I'll keep my eyes and ears open. Let's see. Pay attention. Let's see what happens by the end, by season's end, if we're still talking about HBCU athletics. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to get into All-Star Weekend in Atlanta, GA, on the court, and a lot of stuff that took place off the court with our guy, reporter extraordinaire Terrell Thomas from These Urban Times and Live Hip Hop Daily. Make sure you stay tuned. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Every What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio Sirius XM. Yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Yeah, we're still in an all-star hangover a little bit. But uh, to break everything down, what went on, what went happened on the court and what happened off the court in the city of the A, better known as the A-Town, Atlanta, Georgia, at State Farm Arena, I have the one and only, the man you've heard all over the airwaves, the man is making a lot of great things happen. Uh, you heard him on NBA TV talking to Steph Curry as well as Damian Lillard. Uh, he's been all over the city, man, giving you guys the play-by-play of what's going on. The one and only from uh, these urban times, the one and only Terrell Thomas. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Hey, Nick, always a pleasure to sit and chat with you, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, man, good to see you, and it's good to be seen. Uh, speaking of the scene, man, there's a lot going on in, in Atlanta. I know a lot of the players were, uh, the NBA players, brother, were complaining about not uh, having an all-star game and, and really didn't want to go because of the times that we're currently living in with the pandemic and how the state of Georgia is pretty much open, especially in the city of Atlanta. Uh, but what was your take from all-star weekend? I know you were out at a couple of events, uh, you know, doing some, uh, some reporting, especially on the, on the music side, um, as well as the sports side. So what was your take from this weekend, man? How did the city recover, uh, from everybody coming down and ascending upon, uh, the city of Atlanta? Uh, it, it seemed to be a very interesting weekend, especially depending on, I guess, what pocket uh, of entertainment you were you were looking for. Um, as you mentioned, I did some of the sporting events. Uh, of course, a lot of those things were virtual. Um, I did I did a, a get out to two events over the weekend uh, for a record label on which I'm working with and uh, Winners United, and they had two of their artists, Akeem Ali and uh, Chip Landstrip. Trip had two listening sessions. Uh, one on Friday night, one last night before the game. Both of those events were dope. Uh, good to see those artists. But then there were also other events in the city um, that got a little wild. Uh, it was a uh, they got a little wild. We had a couple events. I, I think they took place on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It was like a dome atmosphere. Uh, had a lot of heavy hitters in there: the Meek Mills, Bobby Smurders, Fabs. Um, from what I see, it, it it went well. Like the events went well. No one was harmed or anything of that nature. Of course, it was just a lot of people here. Traffic was ridiculous. Uh, getting downtown or going downtown and things of that nature. Um, 
So from that perspective, it was it was a little wild. People are still. I, I've been seeing some of the GoFundMe's this morning uh, from some <laughs> of the young ladies who are stranded here in Atlanta from All Star Weekend. Um, I also saw a lot of report. A lot of cats did, however, um, they 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 got walking to Atlanta by the Jack Boys. So a lot of vehicles have turned up missing, or <laughs> cars, cars cars were broken into, and that hurt my heart. That was sad. Um, I, I pretty much knew keep my butt in the house this weekend outside of those two events I was uh, referring to a moment ago because it may get wild. Lenny Small was a little wild. Uh, it was some type of broad Cumberland Mall. So the, the, the off-the-court festivities uh, were a little strange and deranged, if that makes sense. Uh, of course, on the court, we saw a wonderful product, and the NBA did find a way to get it done. So it was great to see how things turned out on the court on Sunday night. Yeah, I said earlier um... – that you know i looked at the nba and i wasn't a fan of the nba having an all-star game i agree with the players i think if you're going to talk about health and safety protocols we we, we saw what happened uh with joel Embiid and 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 ben simmons who were unable to play uh because they had come in contact uh with somebody a barber i believe in in philadelphia uh and then they traveled to atlanta and realized hey you know you guys can't play uh which is going to cost could cost them a couple of games in the second half of the season um you know, because of the health and safety protocol. Um, and Paul George even said, you know what, This uh, see, this is what we've been talking about. This is exactly what we were saying. You know, guys, somebody's going to come down here. Um, but when you look at the overall, the, the positive aspect of the NBA, as far as highlighting HBCUs, as far as raising money uh, for various scholarship foundations, how did you see that? And how did the NBA fare overall in that aspect? Um, I think those things went well. Uh the component of the HBCUs were great, but I mean that really wasn't a factor to me. I I, uh, I thought it kind of uh, I don't want to say it covered up or took away from the, the thought of not having the game, but I was also one of the cast that kind of thought like it was no purpose of actually having the game. Um, I guess right now, as we're talking, you know, on the the Monday morning quarterback, you know, the days after and everything like that, and seeing that it was a success, it was cool. Um, them, uh, you know, including the HBCUs, once again, like I, I think that was cool for uh, all the HBCUs that are here in the Atlanta area. Um, sadly, of course, a lot of the players who were playing yesterday didn't attend HBUs or probably, you know, I don't I don't want to assume, but I don't even think a lot of those gentlemen maybe even thought about attending a, a HBCU. So, um, you know, that perspective of it was cool. Um, I'm just glad that outside of Ben and Joel, Joel's unfortunate situation of, you know, not being able to play, that it seems like everything went smooth. Like I, I you know, from that perspective, uh, I think it was, I think it was pretty cool. But I, I was with you 100 percent, um, pretty much the the entire time. I didn't think that the activities needed to take place. I was in agreement. I understood the purpose of having an All Star break, you know, to possibly give players a chance to go home or see their family or just not have to be tested. I understood that purpose. I didn't understand the purpose of the game and. Um, I almost feel like I need to watch the game again <laughs> to kind of see, you know, it, 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 in the moment, I just, it, it didn't give me the typical feel of a normal all-star night or all-star game uh, outside of the, the big, the, uh, you know, the big names that we saw a couple of nice shots from Steph and, mm-hmm. and, and Dane, but nothing really just drew me in, uh, you know, feeling like it was an actual all-star game or all-star weekend. Yeah. Like I said, in my previous segment, um, I didn't, I caught like the, you know, we go on YouTube, you catch like the, the best 15 minutes of whatever the event is. I pretty much caught that. I mean, I didn't have, I had no interest in the game. Um, I did go back and watch the three point shootout. That was actually 
uh good i did have a chance i did have a chance to go back and watch the skills competition um the dunk contest was trash outside of the one dunk by uh obi uh who did that amazing dunk uh which he should have got a 50 for but spud webb wanted to hate on him uh (laughs) But I, I, I wasn't. I, I, to me, they should have had an honorary dunk contest and just gave the award to Anthony Edwards because we all know he had the dunk of the year. Period. Um, but what that. did you, what did you see from uh, from Steph Curry just not only in the three point shootout but from the game? Because you had a chance to talk to him uh, the morning of, and you know what was what was that like talking to Steph? And then what did you see uh, from Steph on the court, man? Uh, uh, it was great talking with Steph. Uh, and fortunately, I've been blessed to sit down and speak with Steph a few times. Um, one of the biggest things that I did want to highlight, I think it's dope when we see these athletes becoming entrepreneurs. Um, and it was dope to me that now, similar to Michael Jordan, how Jordan has his partnership with Nike, of course, with the Jordan brand. Uh, we know, and some may not know, uh, Steph Curry's Curry brand is his own brand now, even though it's housed under Under Armour. Um, and this was his first All-Star game in which he was able to feature his own brand. So we spoke on that. Uh, he spoke about playing with LeBron James for the first time, the excitement that he had and uh, that LeBron James had as well for them to actually be on the court together for the first time. Steph is a showman. Uh, so, like, to me, uh, it, there, are, there are a few players in the league that you know, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Uh, you know that whenever they're in the building, on the court, and in uniform, they're going to give you a show. Dame Lillard as, as well. They're going to give you a show. Um, so I was impressed with what I saw from Steph Curry in the three-point shootout. And I was definitely impressed with what I saw from him in the game. It's always great to watch him do what he does. It's just so masterful when he does it with such ease um, that, you know, it's always great to watch. So it, it, anytime, any opportunity to watch Steph is great. Uh, of course, last year we didn't get to see a lot of Steph Curry due to his his injury and then – the season being suspended. Um, so I, I, I was I was very pleased to get to see some production from him last night, and I was pleased uh, for us as NBA reporters, NBA fans, as, uh, fans of the game of basketball to actually witness him uh, win that three-point shootout because that was, that was a clinic in itself. Oh, absolutely, man. I thought it was completely unfair to have, for LeBron to have both Dame and Steph on the same team. I mean, that's just a cheat code. <laughs> I mean, hey, KD got to do a little better at his drafting. That's all. KD got to get a little better with that. Yeah, so far, LeBron is 4-0 as a team captain since the new All-Star format, which is amazing to me. But when you look at what happened on the court, we talk about Steph Curry, but you cannot talk Steph Curry without mentioning and talking about extensively Damian Lillard. I mean, Dame Dollar obviously knocked in the game-winning shot uh, that got them to 170. But when you look at this guy, will he finally get the respect uh, that he deserves with everybody watching him at the All-Star game. Uh, I know the NBA talks about 130-some-odd countries watching him. Would Dame Lillard finally get that respect? Uh, you know what, man? I don't know if it is just playing in a market such as Portland. I don't even want to call him a small market, um, but playing in a market such as Portland. Because Dame's been an All-Star now for a few years. Uh, the man has a signature shoe. We see him on a lot of commercials, whether it's a Hulu commercial uh, previously. I feel like he was doing a Gatorade commercial or something. Like that. He had a prior commercial prior to, to Hulu as well. Um, and then we, we, we see him on a night-to-night basis on SportsCenter or FS1, however you decide to, to, to catch your sports highlights. So we see Dame all the time. And, I mean, shoot, he's even the cover artist now on NBA 2K21. Uh, I don't know what Dame needs to do to actually get more respect. Um, but I, I, what, what I do believe, I think he has – uh, the respect of the people who matter the most. And I'll say like the sports writers, his peers, and those who are truly lovers of the game of basketball. You know, your casual fan, 
may not know. They, they've heard his name before. They've heard of Dame Time and things of that nature. They might not understand truly how great that young man is. Um, but to answer your question, I, I, I really don't know what else he can do. <laughs> uh, the man won the, the, the bubble MVP, as they called it, uh, uh, you know, during the bubble last year. He's just been spectacular. He's been spectacular. Uh, he, he's 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 been a great ambassador of the game of basketball um, on the collegiate level and on the NBA level. So I, I don't know what else the young man needs to do, but he's damn sure entertaining. I love to watch him when he's on TV. Yeah, man, it's Dame time. People got to <laughs> get on board. I, I I think I think I'm gonna call Portland a small market because that's exactly what it is. But I think if he was in a much larger market, maybe like the LA scene or Miami or Chicago. Um, you know, I think he would be even bigger than what he is. I think nowadays when you look at these athletes, we talk about Steph Curry, but Steph is in San Francisco, which is a major market. You have the tech, you know, the tech companies down there. You have a lot of international commerce that comes through there. Same thing with LeBron being in Los Angeles, you know, Kawhi being with the, with the LA Clippers and Paul. I mean, we saw what happened with them instantly when they came, became Clippers, they had national commercials. They, you know, were featured in, in certain movie, uh, tra- you know, trailers and commercials and things like that. So it's all about a big market, especially nowadays. Uh, even talking more about Jimmy Butler because he's in Miami, uh, you know, yeah. last season. So it's a lot going on. I think it, it it does depend on the market. I think you look at Luka Doncic. Yeah, he's international, but he's in Dallas. You know, uh, Trey Young, right in your backyard. You know, Atlanta is still a, it's a thriving market. Um uh, so I, I just feel like I, I really it's a shame to say this, but you know, Dame is so loyal, man. He's loyal to the soil. Uh and it, I really hope that he doesn't get into that Kevin Garnett type syndrome where Kevin Garnett almost missed his opportunity to get a chip uh because he was so loyal to the to the the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um it's great comparison. So, you know, it so I mean I I I love Dame. I love watching him you know, play, but I love him, what he does off the court for the city of Oakland. He goes back, he contributes, he gives back, you know, he's a very, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve for his city, man. And I, you can do nothing but respect, you know, what he does, guys like him and Marshawn Lynch and others that really give back to the Bay Area. Um, but turning the page a little bit, man, speaking of giving back, man, there were a lot of clubs turned up, man. People, I know you saw it like I did, man, folks wearing no mask. I mean, just out and about. I know Magic City was turned up uh i'm sure several other clubs were turned up man you talked about the traffic earlier man so are people just not cognizant or caring about that we're living in a pandemic is atlanta just like hey man it's 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 beyond us we we, we're we're immune to it you know what i will say uh and this is this is funny of course like being in atlanta now coming from philadelphia (laughs) but being here for, for so long Folks who actually live here in Atlanta, who are like Atlanta residents, have been here for a while. They are still practicing the social distancing. They're still wearing masks like that is. But um, Atlanta is known also as being a tourist city or a spot where people come to hang. There are a lot of out of towners and a lot of tourists that are coming down to Atlanta from other places, whether it be Chicago, the city, New York, places that aren't as open as Atlanta. And they're coming down here and partying and having a lot of fun. The majority of the clubs and things were filled with out-of-towners. There weren't many Atlantans. You had a, a lot of people who were who, who live in Atlanta. Uh, it, it's funny, actually. A lot of people that I know, literally over 10 um, couples and single, they all left town. Some people went to Vegas. Some people went to Florida. But folks were just like, I'm leaving town. 
I don't even want to be here this weekend. Um, and when I am out and about often, like if I got to go to the grocery store, go pick something up to eat, and I'm, I'm air hustling to hear what's going on around me, y'all hear folks, oh, yeah, well, I'm down here from Chicago. I'm down here from D.C. You know, and it's rare. I look, you know, no mask on or nothing like that. Um, so it, it, it is very rare and very seldom. Like, there are people in Atlanta who live here, entertainers and things who just said, forget it, and just, have, you know, begin to move around and things like that. But the majority, I'll say at least 75%, of Atlantans, ATLians aren't, uh, you know, they're, they're still practicing social. They're not, they're, they aren't walking around maskless and stuff like that. Uh, then you have a few who are, but the majority are out of towners, man. People get off the plane, they just happy. They feel like, oh, I'm free. It's open here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they and they aren't wearing their mask. So it, it's a it's a catchy twist. Um, you know, I wish everybody the, the 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 best as far as health and safety is concerned. Because um, that's all you pretty much can do at this point. Yeah, absolutely, man. So has the mayor come out and said anything uh, since the weekend's concluded? Uh, you know, I know she was talking about, hey, we're not having no clubs. Don't come down here. She was really against, you know, kind of having an all-star weekend in her city as well. And, you know, promoters coming down here. And I did see, I don't know if this is accurate, but I did see something from the New York Times from Mark Stein that said the NBA had hit a cease and desist order on a lot of promoters because they were using the all-star logo um has the mayor come out at, at all since uh the festivities have concluded um now I, I will say this that's factual um the the nba there were several promoters out here who were you know calling this nba all-star weekend a party for and then it was just a party for basketball weekend or a party you know like so the names are kind of funny and seeing that that, that was hilarious now uh mayor bottoms hasn't come out and said anything uh, as of last night or today um but i feel bad for her as well because since the pandemic started, she's been trying to get a grip on Georgia. Now, our uh, or Atlanta, rather, our governor here in Georgia has pretty much, uh, you know, stopped her from being able to shut down Atlanta how she wanted to because she wanted to shut things down. She she wanted the airport closed. She didn't want people coming, being able to come travel to the city X, Y, and Z. And uh, that that actually got national attention because our governor and mayor were pretty much going going at it. Um, the governor, of course, being a higher power, he was able to. Uh, uh, pretty much Trump, uh, her decisions as far as closing Atlanta. So Atlanta hasn't been closed since then. And I guess for her, it's been an uphill battle ever since because, once again, she's wanted to close the city, or, you know, close her city. But uh, her boss has pretty much, you know, been like, no. And I, I get it. Once again, as we, as we mentioned a moment ago, Atlanta is so much of a tourist city. If you shut it down, there are so many businesses and things that will be impacted. Um, however, you got to do what you got to do. She did. She asked people not to come down. Uh, she asked, you know, promoters not to really be uh, uh, vigorous with their, with their promotions and, and things. But, hey, we, we, we see how it turned out. You know, folks didn't listen. Folks came down. Folks partied. Um, so now all we can hope is, you know, that we don't see a spike here in the next coming weeks. Yeah, well, you can, you can let the mayor know that I did not travel out here to her advice and her, 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 her will. So I did not show up. That's and, and, one person. I do, I do know a few out-of-towners who wanted, and, and a few big brands as well that wanted to have events, and they just decided, like, you know, no, the mayor asked for, you know, no events to happen, so we're not going to come. We're not going to bring our alcohol company, I, you know, or something. We're not going to have an activation. and th People who normally would have been out at All-Star. Mm -hmm. So I do, I do commend those who did decide to stay away. Um, but as, as we just said, for the most part, it got a little shaky. Now, you said earlier uh, that you were part of a music label. Now, is that connected to Lou Williams at all, or is that something yeah. complete? No, no, that, uh, it's connected through Lou. 
Um, and shout out to Lou for being able to still manage or, you know, assist in what we had going on, but make sure he, he stayed true to what he had to do and keep safety and protocol. So shout out to him for, you know, being a Zoom brother and, and uh, you know, uh, once again, helping to plan. Um, but I know it probably sucked with him not being as involved as he may have wanted to be, uh, be being, uh, you know, with the protocols and things like that. But, yeah, shout out to uh, Winners United. Um, we had two events over the weekend, as I mentioned, Akeem Ali. Uh, some people know of him as Kimi Casanova. Uh, he went viral a little while ago uh, with his song, Kimi Casanova. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, uh, Landship Chip. Trip. Uh, Chip has been doing some things in the music industry for some time, writing for folks, producing for folks, and now he's getting his own music off the ground. So big shout-out to Keem and big shout-out to Chip. No, that's major for Lou Williams, man, for him to be able to, to juggle both parts, man, basketball and business at the same time. So I love seeing that, man. And Lou Williams is a, is a really a good dude, man. I've had a chance to really cover him while he's been a member of the Clippers, man. He's always, you know, willing to talk. And, you know, he's just all, just all around good guy, man, a really outstanding basketball player as well. So hopefully he'll have as much success as he's, as he's been having this, this past weekend with the music and with his business. Hopefully they'll have much more success on the court as the Clippers take the second half of the season uh, as, they, <laughs> as they look to move up uh, in that tough Western Conference. Uh, last thing before I let you get on out of here, man, I want to talk to you uh, just about the second half of the season. Um, you know, the, the West is really, to me, has really been surprising. And you had Utah, who's remained constant at number one, uh, but the Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul. And, you know, my, you know, Chris Paul has barely been a difference maker for the Phoenix Suns. But it seems to me we talk about MVPs, we talk about Joel Embiid, we talk about James Harden, LeBron James, but Chris Paul's name is rarely mentioned in the MVP conversation. I, I um, first, I, I respect what Chris Paul is doing. I think he's done, doing a lot, but I also uh, I want to give a lot of love to Monty Williams because that that brother, since he's come to Phoenix, has been changing the culture there. I mean, we saw the Phoenix Phoenix Suns went eight and zero or nine and zero in the bubble. And I almost made almost made it made a playoff run. We're almost able to make it to the playoffs. So they were kind of trending in the right direction. Uh, of course, uh, having a leader and the leadership of, of a gentleman like Chris Paul can only amplify what you have going on. Um, I do I do see him in the MVP running. I see him in that race. Um, I actually would have him higher than LeBron. You know, uh, contrary to a lot of people's beliefs. Um, but I, I, I mean, I shoot. If I'm being honest, with you, I feel like we need to just keep an eye on Devin Booker as well, because you know his contributions to what they've been doing has been has been great. I like Chris Paul. I think he's a great player, but he's not a champion, uh, you know. So it's not like he's bringing championship experience uh, to that to that organization. He's bringing a, a lot of years of wisdom and leadership, uh, which is needed in being a floor general. But I think uh, if they really are going to make some noise, it's going to be off the back in the efforts of Devin Booker. Um, so I, I do think we need to we need to pay more attention to Chris Paul and give him some love in the MVP race. Um, but I think in doing that, we also need to look at D Book as well. No, I agree. I think I think Chris Paul definitely needs needs more love and more respect. Uh, you know, put some respect on this man's name. I mean, he's been he's like you said, he's a floor general, he's a veteran, he's a constant professional, and he brings that leadership that they were missing last season to this season and you look at the difference like you said you you have a Devin Booker who's immensely talented you look at the, at a DeAndre Ayton uh who's definitely right. been in you know a, a powerful uh force in the paint uh for majority of the season so and then you like you said Monty Williams so that Phoenix Suns team and, and, and props to James Jones too who's the general manager uh for having the insight 
to bring Monty Williams into the fold uh, and really coach this team up the way they need to go. And so it's going to be an interesting second half. What, do you, what, what, are, what are some surprises that you're looking forward to seeing in the second half, both in the West and in the Eastern Conference? I am looking to see if the Jazz are able to, to, to maintain that number one seed, see, see where they go, see how they do. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Lou Will, Kawhi Leonard, PG-13, and the Clippers do, if they're able to turn it on and really make a strong uh, title push to, to, to bring a title to the other locker room in L.A. Um, I'm interested to continue to see what the Nets do. Of course, uh, we know Blake Griffin will be taking his talents to Brooklyn. Uh, he, he's, he'll be uh, a member of the Nets for the remainder of the season uh, right here in the Atlanta area. Uh, I want to see what the Hawks do. Now that they, they have Nate McMillan as the interim coach and uh, uh, Coach Pierce has, has been relieved of his duties. I want to see if Trey Young is able to lead those guys to the postseason. They're currently, I believe, in uh, their two games. They're two, three games out of eighth, uh, the eighth spot, and about four games out of the fifth seed. So things can still get real shaky. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, and I want to see what, what the what the Hawks do. I'm also curious to see what the, what the Sixers do, how Embiid and Simmons continue. They seem like they're trending in the right direction under the leadership of Doc Rivers, so I'm interested to see what they do as well. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens, man. I'm definitely – I agree with you. I think it's going to be something like that, but I think also a team to look out for um, if the Denver Nuggets are able to make some type of push. I mean, that's a team that I'm looking at as well because they can be a scary team if they if they get hot and you know you slide because now that you have about what 36 games left if you go on a five or six game slide you can slide right on out of the playoffs like (laughs) (laughs) it's that tight man it it is that tight so it's going to be interesting i'm loving the second half of the season uh it's going to be fun and uh thank you so much man for taking time out on, on 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 a a restful opportunity of yours. I know you do a lot of hard work uh, where you are, man. So thank you so much. And uh, please let everyone know where they continue to keep up with you and, and find all your great work, man. Uh, Nick, man, thank you. Thank you, dog. Once again, it's always a pleasure to sit and chat with you, whether online, offline, sports, life, entertainment. It's always great to talk with you. Uh, you can check out my work at theseurbantimes.com. Uh, also check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, These Urban Times. Uh, follow us on social media, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at These Urban Times. You can follow me personally at Eldorado2452. All right. That's the one and only Terrell Thomas from These Urban Times. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Have a great one. You too. All right, y'all. Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll get into my three cents. That's when I talk about anything and everything from the world of sports, pop culture, politics, entertainment, whatever it is, you know I'm going to speak on it and speak on it with some truth. Make sure you stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA. You can also follow me on Facebook at Nick Hamilton LA and on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Now, we talk about and we celebrate Women's History Month, which is, happens to be this month. Uh, yesterday was Women's International Day. Uh, so shout out to all the women around the globe, all the ladies that continue to make progress and empower one another and empower us as a human be- as human beings, rather. Uh, thank you. And I want to share a little bit of women's history uh, when it comes 
to this month because I want to talk about head coach Don Staley as well as head coach Joni Taylor, who actually made history in the SEC women's basketball title game over the weekend. Now, if you're not familiar, uh, Don Staley is the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks and Joni uh, Joni Taylor is the head coach of the Georgia Lady Bulldogs. And the Gamecocks handled Georgia 67-62 to capture the school's sixth SEC title in the last seven years. Uh, Don Staley probably has the single greatest administrative hire uh, in Gamecocks athletic history. And we know about Lou Holtz. We know about Steve Spurrier on the football side. But Don Staley has done an incredible job uh, with the program that she turned around and really developed and really put that, that women's program on the map. And Quiet is Kept is the best basketball program at that school because Don Staley stuck true to her guns and made sure that she invoked her principles into the the students that were already there, the players that were already there, and then the recruits. Because people don't understand recruiting is very hard. From some coaches that I happen to speak with about the whole recruiting and how you go about recruiting certain players versus not recruiting other players going into these players' homes. Well, now not so much because of COVID, uh, doing probably a lot of Zoom calls and phone calls, but nonetheless, it's still a very tedious process when it comes to recruitment. And so Don Staley said after the game uh, that her team won, she said, you know what, quote, "We're we're a great team. Unfortunately for us, we went through some things at the end of the season, but they are a resilient group. We gain a lot of we gain a lot by losing. You don't like to lose, but you gain. We gain the SEC tournament championship. Uh, you know, Don Staley, and I've always said this, and I said this even when we were talking about the lack of black women head coaches in the WNBA. And I've also talked about on this show uh, a few weeks ago that I think that there should be some women in the NBA. That should be head coaches. And I named Don Staley as one of them because I think she's just an incredible basketball mind. I think Joni Taylor is also another incredible basketball mind since uh, being at Georgia uh, when she came on board around 2015. So I do think I do think that when you look at what these two ladies have accomplished, not just from a historical standpoint of having two black women in the SEC, uh, you know, coaching head to head for, you know, championship tournament. But I think what they bring to the program and what they bring to the program is a level of excellence that I don't think gets respected enough. And I don't think it's admired enough and doesn't get spoken on enough to a point where you have to look at this thing like, hey, these are two black women that are battling it out with their respective teams. This needs to be celebrated and highlighted. Now, I know that Don Saley said it's not a race thing. It's an opportunity thing. But it is a race thing because this country is founded on race as one of their principles. So I understand what she means. She doesn't want to be looked at as, okay, these are two black head coaches. She wants to be looked at. These are two quality women coaches who happen to be black. I get that. I'm not knocking her for saying that. But let's keep it in perspective. Yes, it is an opportunity thing, but it's also a race thing because unfortunately in this country, black folks and black women 
are not given the same opportunities as their white counterparts majority of the time. That's just fact, which is why there, there is such an awe and almost your mouth wants to drop when you see something like this go on. And if there have been more opportunities for black coaches and, and coaches of color to get these opportunities, we would make such a large newsworthy type of conversation about it. You know, but for the opportunity, as she said, for the opportunity for black women to be able to experience this in both of these ladies programs, I totally agree with her. Because I've even asked athletes and I've covered a lot of athletes over my time. And the one thing I ask them is, what is the difference about having a coach that looks like you? Somebody whom you can relate to, somebody whom you can talk to, you feel like you can have that synergy with. And it's a different story. And there's no disrespect to coaches who happen to be white or of another nationality. But it's a different story when you see somebody that looks like you. Because growing up, there's not too many black coaches that you have. And then you go to the collegiate and the professional ranks, there's less and less opportunity for black coaches and coaches of color to be to stare you in the face, to guide you, to lead you. So when I look at these two women, which I think are incredible stories, my hat's off to them. And I think Don Staley deserves to be coaching in the WNBA and then the NBA. I think given the opportunity and given the right team and the right set of circumstances, she would be very successful. Look what she's done in South Carolina. She's completely turned that program around. And South Carolina needs to get a lot more attention than it's been getting. And I don't feel that a lot of these women coaches are getting their proper due. We talk about Joni Taylor, but look at C. Vivian Stringer, what she's accomplished. Look at Tina Thompson, what she's accomplishing. You look at Delisha Milton-Jones and Old Dominion and what she's accomplishing. And we look at Don Staley, Kara Lawson. There's a lot of women head coaches that deserve to get more recognition than what they're getting. And it's, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that they're not getting the same recognition as their male counterparts. And so when you have coaches like this, I'm going to personally celebrate this because I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great opportunity, and hopefully this opens up the door for more women coaches, more black women coaches, and more women coaches of color to have the opportunity to coach at these top-notch universities. Because all they need, as she, as, as Don Staley said, it's an opportunity. And that's all anyone, any black person, any person of color is, is asking for, an opportunity. No one owes anybody anything. All we ask is for an opportunity. Period. And that's what essentially that's what she said. And I totally agree with her on that. Why not? You know, everybody talks about Becky Hammond. I think Becky Hammond is an incredible mind. I think she deserves to be in the NBA coaching a team. But there are also others. The Don Staley's of the world. The car, the Carl Lawson's of the world. They deserve opportunity, too. Don't forget them. May not always have the most popular name, but popularity doesn't mean it's the best thing. What's popular is not always what's best. So congratulations to Don Staley on her accomplishments. I also want to congratulate Joni Taylor for her team competing 
And I'd like to see this South Carolina team under Don Staley try to compete for a national championship. Because they've gone through a lot of adversity, especially the latter part of the season. And they were able to bring it together. And that's, that shows true leadership and a skill set and a mentality like no other. We talk about Mamba mentality. Don Staley and her team exhibited that. So props to Don Staley and her team. That's what I wanted to talk about. All right, y'all, it's time for my three cents where I give my three cents on any topic, sports, pop culture, entertainment, politics, whatever's going on in the world, I'm going to talk about it. Now, recently over the weekend, I had a, a, a honor and an opportunity to pay my respects to a great man. And they always say, people can say what they want to say while you're on earth, but it's what they say when you're not on the earth is what really truly counts and what they truly mean of when they say something about you. And I was able to attend. It was a sad situation, but it was also a celebration of sorts um, for a man that I consider, uh, you know, part of my second family, uh, him and his wife. And my friend, who's like my brother, you know, we grew we pretty much grew up together. And his dad passed away of COVID at the age of 89. He was a well-renowned uh, faith-based teacher, Dr. Frederick Casey Price. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was a sad situation, but it was a celebratory situation at the same time, because when you hear many people from different walks of life speak about what he meant to them, what his presence meant, what his words meant, what his existence meant. And a friend of mine and I were talking after the funeral and I said, you know what? It's amazing how one decision can change not only one person's life, but many others around them. Because had he not changed his life, married his wife, Dr. Betty, God bless her. My friends and I would have never met each other. And I've been friends with both of the guys that I know for 30 plus years, 30 years, going on 31 years. And to hear what people said about Dr. Price as far as what he meant, you know, his faith. And, and you talk about the power of positive energy and positive vibrations. That man was it because he, he was when he was the first person I ever hear talk about faith in something. Whether it's faith in God, faith in yourself, faith in what he believed in. But faith, when you think about faith, when I look up the word faith, that man's picture should be in the dictionary. Because to me, when you think about that word, you you, you see him. Because that's all he talked about. That's mainly what he talked about. You know, when I see tributes when he passed away, unfortunately, and you see guys like DJ Quick and Daz and people like that that, that speak upon him. You never know the impact of how, how how people really, you know, touch other people. And it made me think and it made me think about, damn, man, what will my legacy be when I leave this earth? How will people remember me? You know, how will people speak about me when I'm no longer on this earth? And that's maybe something that you guys are listening, maybe thinking about yourselves. When you leave this earth, how will people speak about you? Will they speak about you in a positive manner, in an uplifting manner? Will they speak about you in a negative manner? Will they come to your funeral just to make sure that you did? Or will they come to your funeral in, in sorrow because they miss you, 
but speak highly of you because of the impact that you left on their lives. And this man left a huge impact on many people's lives, including mine. Now, I'm not a religious individual. I hadn't gone to church since 2007. Don't plan on going back. Because my walk, you know, is my walk. But regardless, the love never stopped for that family. And they've always treated me, Dr. Price, Dr. Betty, anytime we were at the house, you know, when his son and I would hang out, treated me with nothing but love and respect. Never different. Never wavered. Never switched up. And that's something I respect. Because you can you can disagree on a lot of things. That's fine. That's life. But it's how you treat the pe person in a disagreement is what truly counts. Are you going to continue to treat them like a human being, even if you don't agree with them? And I'm not talking about, you know, something on a racial line or something that's detrimental that you want to harm people and hate people for. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a fundamental or a philosophical disagreement. And regardless, that man stood for something. And I respect the hell out of him for that. So those are my three cents. How will people remember you when you're gone? Think about that for a second. Because I know I did. And I know there's some things I got to improve upon before I leave this earth. So rest in peace to Dr. Price. Love to the family. And speaking of which, thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to us on all streaming platforms. I'd like to thank the producers and everybody at Slam Radio, everybody at SiriusXM. Thank you to my established guest, Terrell Thomas of TheseUrbanTimes.com. Make sure you check him out and all his great work as well. Thank you so much. Until next week, please stay sharp. Be safe. Mask up. I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.